This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. There we are. <laughs> no, I disappeared. Where'd I go? Let's all stand together. As our campuses join with us in Stevens Point and Appleton, I'm assuming if the video signal is working over there. And let's uh, recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe here at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us. And again, good morning to those over in Appleton and Stevens Point. Good to have you with us this morning, worshiping here at Celebration Church. This is uh, uh, week, at, week coming up is uh, the 4th of July on Thursday. It's always fun to uh, celebrate our nation's independence and uh, started this incredible country that we live in. And uh, it's just, you know, the wonderful freedoms that we have. Uh, Deanne and I had the privilege, I was asked to speak at the uh, Special Forces Squadron Ball. It was a military ball. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Friday in uh, North Carolina, Pinehurst, North Carolina, this big ritzy joint. And, uh, and all these men and women who work and sacrifice and uh, fight for our country, you know, special forces, man, there's a bunch of serious boys and girls in that room. <laughs> They're very fit, I must say. I felt a little out of place, but, uh, but it's great. What a great country, huh? This morning, we're going to talk about freedom. Um, I want to read to you from Acts, the uh, 16th chapter. Now, the book of Acts is the uh, history of the early church and what happened after Jesus went after being crucified, raised, went to heaven, and then the church started. And uh, this is the history of it. A lot of it was actually written uh, from a first-person perspective. In fact, we read here in uh, Acts, the 16th chapter, verse 16, once when we, so this is really, the, the, he's actually experiencing this with the apostle Paul. This is Luke, the guy who wrote the gospel of Luke. So he's, he actually saw this. He was with him while the stuff was going on. A lot of times they're reading stuff that's second and third hand. Not this one. This is first-hand account. He says, once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. So she's under the spiritual spell 
possessed of a demon or whatever and able to do all this weird fortune telling and stuff. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. Well, she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting. Now, she, she wasn't doing this calmly. Uh, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Now, it's true. What she's saying is true. It's, that's not the problem. It's the way she's doing it. Everywhere they go, These men are servants of the Most High God. These men. So this goes on and on for, for days. Most mothers can relate to this. You know, when your kid goes, Mom, 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 Mom. You know how Paul felt. Uh, so she followed them, followed, and in verse 18, she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed, and all the mothers said, Amen, yes, that he turned to her and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. Now, I'm not saying your children are demon-possessed, but uh, you might want to try that if nothing else works. And at that moment, the spirit left her. Well, when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone because she lost the fizzy suave to do this fortune telling, they were mad. Boy, nothing gets people more mad than money. That's when the demons come out. And they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. And they brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and they're throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice was not true, but that's what they were alleging. Well, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered that they be stripped and beaten with rods. Uh, not exactly the a modern judicial system, but uh, whether or not they were guilty is, was irrelevant as far as the magistrates were concerned. They were causing trouble. Everybody's mad. We take these guys and, and beat the snot out of them, and that's what they did. After they had been severely flogged, now being flogged is bad, severely flogged, you can imagine. They were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. This is a miserable day, all right? Paul and his guys are going around. They're trying to help people and share the love of God. This irritating chick <laughs> won't leave him alone, finally rebukes the devil out of her, and everything goes wrong. There's this big riot. They arrest him, beat the snot out of him, throw him into jail, and put stocks their feet in stocks, and this is the end of their day. You think you've had bad days. This is a really bad day. Now, about midnight, it says, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. I mean, this is fascinating. A lot of us get mad if the slightest thing goes wrong. Okay? Talk about a bad day. These guys are having a horrible day. Where's God? Why did God let this happen to me? You know, none, none, none of that nonsense. In the midst of their worst situation, they're singing songs to God. Wow, and everybody else is listening to them thinking, these guys are nuts. But they were fascinated by what was going on. Well, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaking. So the whole place rocks. All at once the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. Well, the jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he threw his, drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Why would he do that? Because if the prisoners had escaped under your watch, they would take you and kill you and torture you in such a horrifying way. Better to just kill yourself. And this guy had no doubt seen what, you can imagine, 2,000 years ago, years ago, very barbaric. 
And rather than endure that, he takes a sword. He's ready to do himself in because he just assumed the doors are open. Everybody should have taken off, right? If you're in jail and you're in prison, all of a sudden everything opens up, the inclination is, let's get out of here. But they don't. They stay there. And just before he kills himself, Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. My question this morning is, why didn't they run for freedom? Well, the answer is very simple. Because they were already free. You know, true Christian freedom is an amazing thing. If you think something needs to change in your life before you get free, you don't understand this life of faith. We can walk free right here, right now, no matter what your circumstance, no matter what your situation. Christian freedom is amazing. Freedom from fear, freedom from unforgiveness and bitterness, freedom from all kinds of things, substance abuse, drugs, alcohol, all sorts of things. Jesus made this statement in the Gospel of John that's recorded. He says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. The hallmark of the Christian experience is a glorified sense of freedom. We celebrate freedom as a nation this week, but this is nothing compared to the kind of freedom that you can experience. In fact, people who know Christ and are in oppressive regimes and don't enjoy the liberties of Americans, they are greatly free if you know Christ, even though their circumstances do not change. It's why they stay true to their faith even in the midst of horrible persecutions. Why? Because they're so free. It doesn't matter what anybody does to them. They are walking in this glorious freedom. So the question is this. If Jesus offers us this kind of freedom, why do so many Christians walk around as though they're still not free? They're not free from fear. And I know people who love Jesus, but man, they're afraid about everything. Paranoid all the time. They can't breathe. <laughs> Every little thing that happens, they're just constantly in a state of paranoia. It has got to suck to be you. Good night. And people are afraid about things that never happen. Right? But they rehearse it over and over again in their heads. Oh, what about this? Oh, what about this? Oh, this? oh my goodness gracious. The energy that is exerted and the misery and the sickness in their bodies. I mean, there's, you know, this will make you sick. Always worrying about everything. That's not freedom. If you're, but so why do so many Christians who have Christian freedom still do this? Talk about freedom from unforgiveness, man. A lot of people are not. They're still bitter and angry about somebody who'd done them wrong and they still can't let it go. It just binds them up inside. Some struggle with things like alcohol, drugs, and stuff. Christians, yeah. People who really love God, born again, who still are millions of us. Though we've been given this incredible freedom, don't seem to be free at all. Don't seem to be much more free than the neighbor next door who doesn't know anything about Jesus. How can that be and why is it? Well, I'd like to take a look at uh, one of the most dramatic miracles, probably I think the most dramatic miracle of Jesus' life. He did some incredible things. But uh, probably the most dramatic is when he raised Lazarus from the dead. Now, Jesus had done, you know, the walking on the water and feeding multitudes of people with almost nothing and turning water into wine, which would make him a big hit at any party. And, uh, you know, and he did amazing. And people would get sick and he'd, they'd heal him or even people, like, healed over, you know, and they'd pray for him and they'd come back to life. But, you know, they were just mostly dead. And, uh, 
and, and they came, Princess Bride quote there, and they would come, you know, right? I mean, it, but it's, it was pretty impressive things. But Lazarus, Lazarus, this is the yo mama miracle of miracles in Jesus' life. But what happens is Lazarus is his friend. Jesus has some personal friends. Lazarus and his sisters are among his personal friends. And he hears that uh, Lazarus is sick. He knows he's sick. And he knows he's going to die. And Jesus intentionally lollygags. Lollygags. I was teasing my wife this morning about being a lollygagger. <laughs> Actually, we're both lollygaggers. It's horrible. It's amazing we get anywhere on time at all. And uh, because we both just like to just... Maybe we're a little too free. I don't know. Whee! You know. So he's lollygagging. His disciples are saying, hey, come on, Lazarus. Yeah, 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 I know. Enjoy the road. They're just taking their time. Because he's waiting for Lazarus to what? Die. Well, that's not the miracle you're hoping for. Right? So here, he's taking his time and he's died. So by the time he gets there, He's not just mostly dead. He's completely and totally, completely dead and has been dead for four days. Now, I've used this analogy many times, but you know it's true. The nature of the human condition is to be filled with doubt. If Scott here falls over, drop dead as a doornail, and one of you nurses come over and says, he's dead. And then all of a sudden, we pray for him, he goes, <coughs> and he wakes up. You're all going to think, oh, he just had gas, right? You're, you're not going <laughs> to... Right? Because you're thinking, come on, come on. Don't tell me you wouldn't think. I know exactly. Even though he was absolutely dead in a doornail, you think, oh, he's fine. But when you're dead for four days, that's kind of an established fact at this point. There's no doubt that you're dead, super dead. So when Jesus shows up, the sisters are a little irritated with him. You know, they're not mad at him, but they're saying, Lord, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. And, you know, and they're crying. Everybody's crying. Everybody's crying. And, and we read the shortest verse in the Bible where it says two words. Then Jesus wept. He started crying. Everybody's crying. This is a depressing gathering here, you know. And he's God, and he can do anything. And even he's bummed out with all this crying. And uh, so finally he says, listen, believe God. Nothing is impossible because I am the resurrection and the life. And he says, yeah, yeah, at the last day. And he says, no, 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 no. So he tells them to roll away the stone. And that's when they go, don't, you don't want to do that. <laughs> He's been dead for four days. It's a bad smell in there. He says, roll away the stone. Now, can you imagine being there? Everybody's there mourning. It's a big deal. They, you know, all the people in the town come over comforting them and Jesus shows up, you know, he's pretty famous, right? All these people follow him, and, and then they roll away that stone. You're like, what in the world is he doing? And he tells them to believe. And we read in John the 11th chapter, verse 43, when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Now you've got to assume everybody went, <laughs> what's going to happen now? And the Bible says, the dead man came out. Now, I don't know about y'all, but they'd be sticking me in the next tomb right away. I see something like that. And, and it's not like he came waltzing out like, hey, everybody. 
right? It says he came out, his hands and feet were wrapped in strips of linen and a cloth was around his face. He looked like a mummy. And he's coming out. <laughs> I'd go, ah! <laughs> oh my goodness. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Now that's the part I want us to look at a little bit this morning as we talk about freedoms. Jesus did the hard part. Raising somebody from the dead, that's pretty hard. Why didn't Jesus just go walk up and unwrap him? Because it is not God's intention to do everything. He will do what cannot be done. But he wants to involve people. And he tells them, you go un unwrap him. And they did. This is such a great analogy because this is like so many Christians. They are all wrapped up and not experiencing the freedom, even though they've been born again. They've come to Christ. Jesus has paid the price for their sins. They ask Christ into his, in their life. The Spirit of God breathes life into them. Oh my goodness. It is life-changing. It is such a powerful event, but a lot of y'all even though that happens, are still bound up. And you're still hopping around, dealing with the same stupid stuff that has you locked up for years. The problem is no one has come to unwrap you. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, about getting unwrapped, about getting free. How do you get free? You get free by letting other people unwrap you. It's called connecting with people. It's called discipleship. It's called community. It's called church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. His plan was to have a community of people of faith that would unwrap each other. He did and always will do the impossible. But then we must connect with each other and unwrap each other and encourage each other. That's the point of church. That's it's the fellowship. And when he said church, he wasn't thinking about some big ecclesiastical hierarchy and he wasn't thinking about buildings. Buildings aren't, they would call them churches. That's not really, the church is people. That's what, these should be garages for churches. <laughs> because we are the church. All right? This is what he set up and was always his plan and intention to do, um, is to be connected with other people, which is hard for us as Americans. Because we're celebrating the 4th of July and this freedom that we have as Americans. But you have to understand, Jesus wasn't a Republican. I know that's a shock to you, some of and, and, and he wasn't a Democrat. We know that for sure. All right. So. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. Yes, yes, I am. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. No, I'm not. I'm sorry. In so many ways, you have no idea. But anyway. But even more importantly, he wasn't an American. Okay? The thing about America, which makes us great in one sense, but also becomes our Achilles heel, that thing that weakens us is this rugged individualism. I don't need anybody. It's what makes us who we are, right? And this is the way we feel. So our self-governing system, we don't like, so that's why we have 
elections every two years, which is just horrifying. You know, can't they spread it out longer? <laughs> they every two years we go through this just so we can throw whatever rascal we voted in just two years ago. They barely have time to get their offices fixed. They're already having to run for re-election again. Why? Because we're dragging them out and pummeling them once again because our system is we don't let people tell us what to do. Okay, fine. As America, but in the kingdom of God, rugged individualism does not work. This idea, nobody can tell me what to do. You know how many people this morning don't even go to church? Christians, I'm talking about Christians who truly believe in God. Well, I don't, I don't need church. You've all heard this, right? I, I can worship God on my own. You don't get it. That's not how this was designed to be. And talk about people who are not free. Now, they're walking around bound up by all their own sins and frustrations and fears and discouragements. But I don't need anybody. I, I, I can worship God on my own. You don't understand. Church is an important thing. We are, if you don't connect with this, I'm telling you, you will struggle in your life. And you'll wonder why you struggle. And you'll pray a million prayers asking God to help you get through your struggles. But it won't work. I'm just telling you right now. If you want a button you can push or something like that, you've come to the wrong place because there is no button you can push where you can just do this by yourself. It was never intended to be by yourself. Amen. We were called to be there for each other and to pray for each other. James writes this in his epistle. He says, therefore confess your sins to each other. Well, nobody wants to do that. Well, anybody knows so we've been up to stuff that we're struggling with. And when it says that, it doesn't mean to do it publicly where everybody's humiliated. Anybody been in a church service like that? I have. Horrifying. Back in the 80s, some idiots came up with this idea of people in church, if you have a problem with someone, you need to go to them right now and tell them, you know, ask for their forgiveness. So people would line up in front of people. So I listened, Scott, I want to apologize. I think you're a real jerk. Would you forgive me? <laughs> and Scott's thinking, I don't have you know, I was a jerk, you know what I'm saying? And what's really bad is if there's 30 people lined up to talk to Scotty. You know, this is, this is <laughs> it's a little humiliating. You know what I'm talking about? No, no, I'm not talking about that nonsense. I'm talking about in confidence with people you're connected to to admit, you know, man, I, I got my struggles. And they would do this freely with each other. Why? Because they were part of a community. And he says, and pray for each other. You can be healed. Some of y'all sick all the time. You know, at some point, and, and sick not just physically, but in so many other, at some point you just got to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know, where you just think, I don't want to be this way anymore. I'm tired of this. This sucks. Always struggling, always down, always life is just a bother, you know, like Eeyore. Oh, bother. Big cloud follows you everywhere. I love Jesus. Oh, want to be a Christian? Not like you. No, I don't. You got to get to the point where you're just tired of it and you want to connect with people. Why? So you can be healed. Because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We're called to encourage one another. Paul writes this to the Thessalonians. He says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Just as, in fact, you are doing. They were already doing is encouraging them to do it even more. He said, man, Pastor, I just don't feel very built up. Because you don't connect with anybody. Look, the Christian experience, if, if coming to, 
a service once a week and sitting for an hour is the beginning and end of your Christian experience. You pretty much are walking around bound. I just guarantee to you. And that's, and, and the crazy thing, most people don't even come once a week. Our congregation, people always say, how big is your church? I said, depends on the weather. So what do you mean? It says, if the weather's good, we're toast. The good news is we live in Wisconsin. So we're usually pretty good. It's too miserable to do anything else. And even that, people come, well, you know, every once a month, you know, three times a year. Some of y'all just, this happens to be your Sunday. Hi. <laughs> you know, good to see you, you know. Look, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not slamming you. I'm glad you're here at all. But if you're wondering, you know, I go to church and, you know, once or twice a year and I just, I'm struggling. Of course you're struggling. You're still all bound up. Well, how do I get unbound? You're not going to get it by listening to me, beautiful though I may be. <laughs> We're called to carry each other's burdens. Listen, I know y'all got burned. Everybody's got burned. You think you don't have, if you don't have burdens, you're not breathing anymore. If you're in life, you got burdens. Well, I'll just trust Jesus myself. See, that's that Americanism. That's that rugged individual. I'll just, me and Jesus. Me and Jesus, we got our own thing going. We even sing songs about the stupidity. Who sang that song? Am I remember that song? Oh, you never heard the song? Oh, it's a song. Look it up. It's horrifying. Google it. See if you can find it. Me and Jesus, we got our own thing going. Who has heard the song before? See, it's an actual song. People look at me like I'm crazy. Oh, I am crazy. But. Galatians, Paul writes to them, he says, carry each other's burdens. Why? Because in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. This is how it works. You find it yet? <laughs> Who? Brad Paisley? Oh, that's got to be a redo. <laughs> because he's, he's too young to be the first guy to sing that song. How do you play it? Huh? Yeah, play it. <laughs> Pastor, do you, do you rehearse these things ahead of time? Apparently not. I, I don't. I, <laughs> you have no idea how I make this up as I go. <laughs> Carry each other's burdens and fulfill the love of Christ. Let me know when you got that song. This is where the power of freedom comes from. You know, it's like having an amazing kitchen appliance. You know? They make some cool things. They do the hard work. They make these things. You know, like, like I bought one of these chopping things. What do you call them? Food processors. <laughs> Buy our chopping thing. A food, a food processor. And, you know, because when I first met Deanna, you know, because Debbie, she was a great cook. And I thought, clearly she cooks. And I said, so do you like to cook? She says, no, my, my husband did all the cooking. I said, we're in big trouble. <laughs> because, because I don't cook Jack. She doesn't cook Jack. And it, it was a little painful. So, so we, we cheat. We have one of these things. What do they call it? Uh, Hello Fresh. There's a lot of different things. That they, what they do, this is cool. This is God's grace for me. They send you your food. You don't even have to go shopping. They send you, and they send you exactly what you need. If the 
A recipe for a meal calls for an apple, they put in an apple. Everything. You don't have to do anything. And you just follow the directions. And that's how we cook. We enjoy it. It's fun. Except for the chopping. It really sucks. <laughs> chop, 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 chop. I got one of these little... In one second, it does what takes me 10 minutes to do. It was a... And it was done. I went, this is amazing. But it doesn't do you any good to have the appliance if you don't plug it in. You got to get plugged in. It doesn't do any good. You know, God has done the heavy lifting here, folks. He paid the price for our sins. You still can't find the song? Oh. There's a bunch of them. There's a bunch of them. Tom T. Hall? Hey, that's what I'm thinking of. song what is wrong with you people me and Jesus we got our own thing going me and Jesus we got it all worked out that's Christian Americanism or American Christianity oh, I don't need nobody me and Jesus we got our own thing going I can't believe you never heard of this song your life is now more fulfilled I don't know this that's a great song. I should have our worship team sing it. What am I talking about? Oh, get, <laughs> getting plugged in. You gotta, things are falling apart. Getting plugged in. It doesn't do any good. Jesus has done the hard part, but you gotta get plugged in. You will not experience the freedom that your heart longs for. Everybody longs for this. Nobody likes to go around weighted down and struggling all the time. Every single one of you, I and mean, I'm telling you, you think you and Jesus got your own thing going. It's all you need. I'll come to church, you know, once a month whether I need it or not. You think that's like, and even, my whole point on that was, even coming every Sunday won't do it. You know, you come to church and then the final benediction happens and then everybody's out of here. It's like the start of the Kentucky Derby. And they're off. <laughs> Look, if you want to stay miserable, I will be here and I will pray for you. We'll have miserable parties. We'll hold your hands. We'll give you hugs while you're miserable. You can cry. But at some point, you've got to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And the only way you break this is you have to get connected with other people. And that's more than just sitting in a room next to a bunch of people you don't really know. You've got to be, that's why we have our groups. During the summer, we encourage you, get together with other people. So, Pastor, I'm new and it's hard to make friends. And I know all the times, sometimes people come and they knock. You know, people need to be more friendly to me. But look, the reality is if you want friends, you've got to act friendly. It is what it is. I know for some of you it's hard. You're not really connected here, but you've got to make some effort. Talk to people. And, and be nice if someone's trying to talk to you, bring them in. But nobody can do it for you. You have to do it. Why would you do it? Because you want to get free. You know, it's like... Like going to the dentist. Hi, Doc. A lot of people don't like to go see you. You're not at the top of their list. <laughs> but you know what motivates people to go see you? Pain. Pain. You got enough pain? I'm going to the dentist. How many know what I'm talking about? 
Oh, I feel led. Oh, man. Well, sometimes you got enough pain that you're going to just reach out and realize your answer is connecting with people. It's called the church. You want to be free? You want to be free from fear, free from sins that are destroying your life, free from poison of unforgiveness? All of it, you've got to get connected. God has already done the hard work. I'm going to invite our ushers to come forward to all our campuses and get ready to serve communion. I want to go back to our story that we opened with. Paul and Silas, remember there's this big earthquake. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. And the jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? At some point, you have to make the step yourself. Even just coming to Christ in faith in the first place. They were so overwhelmed. He was so overwhelmed hearing these guys sing and worship God in the middle of their misery. He could tell these people are free. Now, if you look at that, you'd say he was free and they were bound up, but he knew he was bound up and those people in chains were free. And when this earthquake came and it set them free, he goes to them and says, man, how do I get in on this? How do, maybe you're listening to me this morning, or you're watching online, on the internet, here in one of our services, campus, uh, Stevens Point, Appleton, here, or here in Green Bay, and you've never really experienced this first step of faith. Let Jesus do the heavy lifting, raising you, as it were, from the dead, making new life come into you. We're getting ready to take communion, and we're going to celebrate Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. The wonderful thing about that is it makes it possible for us to come to life and to begin this life of freedom. I'm going to pray a prayer together. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads with me and repeat this prayer with me. If you've never opened your heart to Jesus, uh, pray this prayer with us right now. Open your heart. Ask him to come into your life. And you can begin to walk on this path of freedom we've been talking about. Let's pray together. Say, Dear Jesus, I choose to put my trust in you. I ask you to come into my life to forgive me of my sins and to give me new life. Amen.